Hello, thank you for uh, tuning in or checking out our podcast, video cast, whatever we call it here, um, Permission Ministries. And um, I'm with my friend Paul Dabdu. Uh, we co-worked on some values a while back and had a great time just kind of you know, shaping a little bit what we believe. You know, values are the personality of an organization. Very, very important to um, be intentional about what you believe and how you how you live it out and the people you work with. And um, today we're going to look at what I think is one of the most important ones that, uh, you know, some core values that we have. There's, I think we have nine, if I think, if I'm hearing that right or remembering that right. And uh, two of them, uh, we, we've been talking about uh, relational connection. And uh, Gary shared that in our last newsletter. And Paul did a great uh, follow-up on the newsletter on Living Encounter. And uh, this is more like a, just a little discussion on one of the valuable ones I feel, permission granted. And uh, to me, this is a core value that many times get lost in the church. Um, I, I love the church, I love all of its expressions. I have found in many churches, though, we can tend to be inward focused, being family oriented, which is very important, taking care of the needs of the family, but we lose the missional side. And what I've found is it's important to um, always be raising up leaders, equipping, and I call it the releasing uh, uh, side of the church. Sometimes we can. Uh, want to just collect people and it's important to do that to be a family where you collect bring people into the family and feel warm and connected but we got to remember that our job as leaders is to release people Jesus spent three years working with a group of guys because he knew the day would come when he'd be gone and he needed a team to be ready for Pentecost because there's going to be there's going to be an instant megachurch and they needed a staff and he wasn't going to be there um, one of my favorite stories and one of my learning lessons, Paul, maybe you can, you'll have a story along this lines too, and it, it kind of clicked for me. I was a young pastor in Hawaii getting started with a church, and there was a, a gentleman there named Ralph Moore. He was a uh, church planner out of, uh, uh, up in uh, North, uh, Orange County, uh, where uh, Chuck Smith used to be, the, the uh, Calvary Chapel. And he came to Hawaii, and I watched Ralph because um, he was having phenomenal success. His church was just growing really quick. And I said, Ralph, how do you do this? He says, well, I've got these small little mini churches, he called them home groups. And he would work with them and develop. And, you know, that was his farm, his uh, farming process. He was bringing up leaders. And when he found a guy that was uh, gifted in the, could be gifted in the pulpit and had leadership qualities, he'd bring him on the Sunday night service. They had a Friday night and two Sunday morning services. And on Sunday night, uh, Ralph would, he had, the guy would sit next to him and Ralph would start and start preaching, you know, for a month or two. And then he would step back and let the other guy preach. And they went back and forth and Ralph was just kind of gauging. If this guy had the goods and the charisma and people were following him, they felt there was some, a connection. He would step more and more back and he would sit there and let the guy take the lead. And after about six months, when he felt the time was right, he would tell everybody, this is, say his name's Tony, and Tony's going to start a church over here in this part of the island. I want to bless all of you to go with Tony. And not only would he just bless, and, and you know, we're talking three, four hundred people, would go with him. And not only would he give them the people, he would give them the six months of offerings to him with it. Wow. And I just shook my head. I've never seen anybody do that. Because, you know, coming out of some church, it was like people were afraid of you leaving, taking people with him. Here's Ralph giving people away. And I said, Ralph, how, did, how can you do that? How can you give away so many resources? And he said, that's easy. God trusts me. He knows I'm not going to hang on to people. I'm going to release them. So that for me, Paul, was a, a real life changer. I said, that's the kind of leader I want to be. That wasn't always easy. I had to, there was a process I had to learn. But I, I believe that is the mark of uh, whether it's whether we call it fivefold ministry, where we're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, however you qualify it, that true leaders 
are about raising people up. So give me some of th your thoughts on that. Is that the same guy that you talked about? I remember hearing you say some years ago that <clears throat> you give away your best. Is, is that the same guy? That's the guy. Give away your best. Exactly. Wow. Um, that was, um, that's one of, that's one of the things that I've picked up through our conversations through the years is that's, that's one of my go-tos is give okay. away your best. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. you know, my process was, well, what ended up happening is that, you know, told a little bit about the story before when we got to ocean beach and, uh, here we are and they called it the graveyard of churches. Boy, so many people have tried to do something here and nothing's really taken off or, you know, somebody might have a little bit of success, but the reality was in that community is it would turn over like the residents of that community would flip over. It was like a community that was truly in transition and would flip over every three years. Now there'd be a few mainstays, but most of the people who are living there don't own property. For those of you who have never been to California, probably 85, 90% of the people do not own their own house. Uh, that's probably different than other people who are listening to this, but that's the reality there. And so you'd see a lot of those people who'd be there for a time and then they would go. Well, everybody that I talked to, about doing some kind of ministry or doing something would always say, oh, Ocean Beach, you should go over here where it's a little bit more stable community because, you know, this is where families settle down and everything else. Except that what we felt like God was saying is that God moves in transition. People have to get a little bit intolerant about their life, get a little bit restless a lot of times for God to do stuff. When people are kind of like fat and happy, you know, to use a cliche, then they don't, they're not always seeking God, nor are they always open. And we felt like God told us, uh, my wife's name is Jessica. He's, he's like, Paul and Jessica, you guys are spiritual surrogate parents. You may be there for conception, but you're not going to be there for the birth. Or you might be there for the birth, but you're not going to watch them grow up in Christian adulthood. And can you be okay with embracing people for as long as you have them, knowing that they're going to go do their exploit somewhere else? Right. Now, that was a different way to add up things for me back then, because well, like I said, my previous experience was uh, was three different mega churches, and we would keep up with all those things. Like you should, like you should keep up with who's coming, know who's coming, know who's going, uh, you know, all of that other stuff. But this was the first time that I felt like God was telling me where are you getting your identity from and where are you getting your value from because I'm doing something here, but you're going to have to count things a little bit differently, and you're going to have to trust me. And I wouldn't say that I was comfortable with that because as it, as it was, I didn't know how I was even going to validate my ministry. How am I going to validate my ministry if I never have anybody and they're always going, they're always leaving right. every six months or something like that. So well, that's, that's kind of good, my experience. Such a good point because I, I have found it. I know you've, we've talked about this. It's hard to be a uh, releaser. I call it usually leaders fall in two categories, a collector or releaser. And, uh, Collecting is not bad. Some people need to be brought into the family, that, that sense of being belonging to something held tight. But eventually, you know, it's like our kids, you know, I don't want my kids living with me when they're 30. I love my children, but I want them having their own jobs, their own homes. And sometimes in the church, it feels we hang on to people. And um, for me personally, it was a sense of fear of, I don't want to lose people. I don't want to lose that leader because if they leave, then my ministry is affected. And it's that shift that needs to happen in a leader where we, you just said it, where our identity is solid in Jesus and we're leaving results to him. Our counting is different. The way we count success, the way we, the way we um, 
measure ourselves has to change. Our, it has to be lodged in our identity with Christ above all. Absolutely. Yeah. What, uh, what was that journey for you, bud? You talked well, about that was, that was the initial part, just that conversation with Jesus where he's kind of like, Oh, I'm redefining things for you right now. And I had to catch up with it because, you know, sometimes, you know, obviously if God's speaking to me at that time and it was very clear, then I'm going to say, Oh yes, God. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to fully be validated by, by people not being with me forever. And, but that was still a little bit hard because, you know, one of the things that's true is you, you get connected with people, you love people, you want to, you know, they, you see them in the picture at one birthday and some people don't have this experience because they don't understand what living in a trans a, a community in transition is like. But when you have people who are in pictures in one part of your life, but they're not there anymore. And those are hard kinds of things because, you know, um, I, I think that, I think that we all have pastoral hearts. You have to actually love people. Right. And so to see people go is a really hard thing in many cases, emotionally. Um, but being able, like I look at it with my kids now that I hate that all of my kids are growing up, but it's also, I'm happy for that as well. There's some benefits that come with that as well. You know, new, new seasons, everything else. And so I'm enjoying like the conversations that I'm having with my 25 year old. Now I'm enjoying the conversations that I'm having with my 18 year old now, because there's certain fruit that you never get to see while they're in your house. You know, there's certain things that they won't embark on and ever do on their own. And the conversations are so different when they come back and they're like, you know what? You were really right about that. Or like, oh, and it's, it's just, it's, it's because it's interesting because sometimes as much as we try to keep it from happening is that familiarity kind of happens when you're in community and you have to fight against familiarity because sometimes uh, it's kind of like the pastor who goes on a missions trip and all kinds of crazy stuff happens on the missions trip that people were healed and all kinds of stuff happens. And then they come back to their church and no one really even says hi to them. Like they didn't even miss them or whatever. That's what familiarity sometimes will happen is that you, you don't recognize. And sometimes people don't grow like they should. Um, you know, I think that was Gary said to me, we want to give people roots and wings. That's going to, that's another one that's been there. I want people to always know they have family. They can always come home. They'll always be received. They're not out there on their own, but I'm also here. If I'm a good father, you can't, you know, and I, I use that term loosely. I know a lot of times I'm not really into people calling me father or daddy or papa or any of this. Like I'm, I don't, I, I personally don't like that. But, uh, but what I'm saying is, is that we are spiritual parents to people. And so I feel like if somebody's always in my shadow, that if my kids are always in my shadow, then then I'm not really doing the job that I'm okay. supposed to be doing. Scripture and if we, if we want to use the Bible about it, yeah. Ephesians four says he's given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about by every wind of doctrine. Um, and, and so, but, and then fast forwarding to 16, that the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by what every part does, uh, does it share. Really what we have to understand is that 
um, I had to switch because I think what the way that I did my ministry previously is I had a vision and I wanted everybody to be a part of my vision. Right. But I also under, began to understand that when I would call people during the week, no one was thinking about my vision or my ministry. They were working. They, they you know, I can remember calling uh, one volunteer and they were like, well, I'm glad that you called me because you got me out of an argument with my wife or whatever. Like, this is what's going on. Everybody's got regular life. And I realized that 98% of people are going to have a calling outside the four walls so that I need to prepare people to be the Monday through Saturday church and help them get fitted, like literally like fitted in place and fully mature, like that they would come into the fullness of Jesus. And, and so equipping looks really different where we get under people. Like, I want to know what the vision that people have for their for their marriage, for their family, for their business, all those things. And so that's, oh, that's really the shift that I've that I've kind of taken in understanding what my role is in this thing. I think it's such a great point you make there because I think inadvertently what we do in the church, we are preparing people to fulfill positions in the church or to help the church run. And I'm not saying that's not important, but like you said, a large majority of our people, you know, they're going to come on Sunday, maybe attend midweek, but they're putting so much energy out there and if and that's where they're having an impact with the community. That's what needs to be changed. So it's a shift from building the church to building people. That's why I've been putting it. I want to I want to build people because if I build people, they're going to live on and be fruitful. You know, again, going to the Bible, like you said, it's a good thing. I was looking through Philippians. There are several uh, scriptures in there where Paul he says in uh, chapter two, verse two, he says, "Fulfill my joy by being like-minded." Paul's joy was in them growing. Paul's joy was in them being blessed that was he said and he actually said that you're my reward paul understood it so it wasn't him bigging building a big mega church with his name and being pastor emeritus on the wall and and nothing against mega churches but you know there's that tendency to kind of build this empire and this memory of yourself when paul is telling us and i believe jesus did the same thing you're my joy watching you grow and develop and this again goes to the parent parent thing too because i know you have three beautiful daughters and you love them and you want to see them grow and it gives you great joy as my kids and even my grandkids now watching them grow that's the shift we need to make that our joy is in others leaving mm -hmm. that legacy and I, I i call it the it's the abraham idea abraham man he was going to be a father of many nations he did he, he is the fruit of his life is still going on and he's not here in this world anymore so it's it's that idea of what are we building even beyond ourselves talk right. to me a little bit about that man that building for the long term well i think building in the long term means that we have to move from a church-centric worldview to a kingdom worldview and a lot of people get church and kingdom mixed up that's good church is the body kingdom in the church is part of the kingdom but the church is not the kingdom. They're not synonymous. Kingdom right. is God's rule and reign. And he wants to move in. Jesus is king. And Jesus taught us a kingdom prayer, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Fully, that we would see fully, the glory of, the, of, of God will fill the entire earth. Well, that means that we've got to do it more than just buildings and more than just meetings. And I love buildings and I love meetings and I love all that. We, we do all of those things. I'm, so everybody knows I do all of those things and I bless all those things. I'm excited for them and everything else. But what if, because we have to change our scorecard a little bit, because if you have a church centric worldview, then what ends up happening is it seems like that all that God's concerned about is the goods and services of a gathering or something like that. 
you know, of, of ministering to the family, doing the different things that we do there. But I don't think that the average individual believes that God cares about their workplace. I don't think that the average individual is thinking, God wants to give you an idea that helps you grow jobs in your area. Because how do you knock out poverty? Well, right. you can do it through nonprofit organizations and do some various things. That's a great work. And I think that the church has done some really great, uh, great things with that. But what if, because we keep trying to allow government to create programs that don't always live up to expectations and cost a lot of money. What if God started giving business people, started giving employees ideas for their business that would really develop people that could, could, could God give us an idea that just, just on the whole, like economy said, always a big deal. You know, could God give us an idea where an entire city, um, is that there's no, no one without a job, that there's no one lacking. And I believe that he can, but I don't believe that people believe that in most cases because we kind of downplay the 98% of people and that have regular jobs, that they think that ministry and vocation is a different thing. They're actually the same thing. There's nothing in anybody's life that's unsacred. But I think sometimes because the people who are and if you want to say the people who are running the meetings and the people who are doing the talking most of the time are talking about it in their lane. That way, if I had a business person talking about what's in their lane all the time, they're going to talk about business. Um, a person in the medical field is going to talk about what's in their lane all the time. And we're going to kind of watch, but not quite get it. And right. so their lane is the most important lane as it should be. And so I think sometimes it's a little bit like, I guess we're a little bit myopic. I would, I, I would say that you know, back in the day, I was very myopic because I was only looking at what I was trying to accomplish. And I'm trying to figure out these days of saying, hey, God blesses your business, blesses what you put your hand to. He, Adam and Eve had jobs. That's where your purpose is going to happen. It's actually where your primary ministry is going to be. Yeah, you're probably going to work in the nursery and change diapers and stuff like that at church. But your primary ministry is going to be where, first of all, your family and also where you're doing life primarily. Can we teach people to hear God's voice there to do the things that Jesus did, not just in character, because I don't want to just be a good business person in character. I want people to come to me because they're like, Paul has wisdom that is not like everybody else. How does he get this? Because I want people to come under the encounter that I'm living in, in Jesus, that it's good for everybody. So I want to be good in business whatever I do, like I am a business person now after all these years, uh, after all the years of ministry, that's what I ended up uh, giving, uh, you know, that God put me in the marketplace. That's still what I do. I actually teach people how to start businesses and all of those other things. And there's a great grace for it that I see in my life. And I watch God's kingdom come. And sometimes God king, God's kingdom, we're only thinking, well, that only looks like people simply this, that, or the other. It's a lot more than I think that what most people think about it. And it gives people purpose in their life because I never want somebody to think that the only thing that the only time they do something for God is when they tithe or when they serve right. in my ministry. I want them to know that every day that there's a blessing, there's a grace that God can be found, that the presence of God can come into your business, that he can come into your workplace, that he can come into your home, all of those things, you know? Let me add to that. You know, I just you're, you're hitting a target that I'm very passionate about too, is think about some of the characters in the Bible. I mean, especially in the Old Testament, the game changers were business people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, yeah, they were considered prophets and stuff, but they didn't have the typical church, but they were just living life and they ended up building a nation. Um, Daniel was a statesman, a politician, if you will. 
David, same thing, a king. Esther, I mean, you just go through, a lot of these people were just average, regular people. They had a gift, but they infected their community and they infected the nation and the world. So I'm thinking too of, a, you know, some people have a hard time with seven, with seven mountains teaching and stuff, but I've always appreciated it because it, it helped me to have a grid to encourage people, listen, the mountains of influence in our world, pick a lane and, and you know, one of them is the church. The other six are society. We need good educators. We need good politicians. We, we're, we're called to influence the world with the gospel, the kingdom, with the, with, with the power of the spirit, all that. But it's got to be in these other areas. And to your point, myopic, sometimes the church has gotten myopic where, you know, Gary's been famous for telling us this, Gary, the founder of Third Day, where he said, uh, or at least he's the one that told me about this, that we're like 90% of the funds of the church go towards building and, and uh, a staff, 90%. You know, we, we have so many buildings that we're, we're dead on them and um, not against buildings, not against gatherings at all. But, you know, we need to change our thinking because it's not about buildings, it's about reaching people. So I love ministries that have, have some business sense where they, they own their building. I have a pastor friend now, he's, he's shifting his whole thinking. He says, I want this building to be totally owned because he's missions hungry. He wants the resources to go towards the poor, to go towards outreach. So that's part of the shift here. If we're not myopic, just thinking about us. We're really thinking outside the four walls. Yeah. So um, permission granted to me is, is all about that, that we give people permission um, to be who they are, discover their gifts. I call it identity, destiny, and community. You got to know those three things. You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know what you're called to do. And you got to know who you're doing it with. Because those three things really kind of define our lane, who we are, what we get to do, and who we get to do it with. So, yeah. Absolutely. Any more thoughts on that, Paul? Is there any exhortations you give people, just encouragement to say how to move into that place of, uh, you know, what can we say to people? And, and um, I think, let me just say this first, and I'll let you make a comment. I want to encourage you if, as a leader, you know, you may be in a place where you're feeling uneasy, and like you're just not being effective. I know that was some of my feelings, that I just felt like I wasn't quite being as effective as I wanted to be. I just had these doubts. I was working hard. I was spinning the wheels, man. I was preaching hard. I was playing hard. I was reaching. I was doing all the things I was, I knew to do, but somehow there was just this nagging doubt. How effective was I being? And, uh, through a long process, God shifted me my, you know, some out of my performance mentality stuff we've talked about where I just got settled and restful and said, father, I just want to be about you. I want to be about your kingdom. And, um, that began to shift in me, and I came out of that season with just a settled peace and said, Father, I just need to do what you want me to do. And I just got to tell you guys, I'm having the most fun I've ever had. I, I, I don't worry about what all the other things I used to worry about. I'm just content to just say, wake up and say, Father, I've, I've got these things to do today, and I'm going to be content in that. I just want to please you. And there's just this sense of peace and grace. And you know what? The, the effectiveness, the impact I'm having on people by just loving them and taking time to get to know them, discover what they're good at, encouraging them to go do that and provide whatever resources I can for them. And I'm watching people begin to blossom and grow in different areas. And, and honestly, part of it may just be an age thing. You know, I've, we've been at it for a while. Paul, I know you've been at it for you know, a couple <laughs> decades too. I got a few years on you, but there's something about you get to a certain point where we've got some um, mileage under some experience. And uh, for some of you out there listening to this, if you may be at a point where you just need a transition or change, 
one of the things we're offering at Permission Ministries on our website, we're we're doing some consulting and, and mentoring via Zoom. You can be a, you can be around the world anywhere, Zoom. We can do that. So if you're interested in that, go to our our, our webpage, permissionministries.com. There's a place there for media. There's a place there for um, mentoring. Click on that, fill out the form, and we'll get back to you. Paul, you want to uh, just close this with any, any encouragement you have to leaders out there who may be on the brink of just some maybe even on the wanting to give up. Others just feel like they're they're floundering a little bit or they're frustrated or they're just not sure they're being effective. Any words of encouragement you can give them? Yeah, I think that first of all, when, when I think about permission in general is I think that God has really get, I think that a lot of times we don't feel the permission to say yes to some of the things that are, that God's truly placed in our heart. And I was reminded as you were talking to this scripture in second Chronicles seven eleven that says, um, Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished that everything that was in his heart actually came to fruition. And this is an Old Testament person. And I, I think that sometimes um, the things that we go after in life, you know, there's, there's, we have people, we have different situations where we, we question our heart, we question our ambition. Um, you know, there's just a lot of questions. There's just a lot of this thing. And I think that for, for anything with God is understanding is that, uh, is that he's placed eternity in our hearts in the midst of everything that we're getting, uh, getting ready to do and what we're, what, uh, what we're wanting that God really is an ambitious God. First of all, he's ambitious to have us as a first priority. So for any of you who have gotten a little bit tired and disillusioned or anything else, is that you've got, you, you go right back. It's got to be with him. First and foremost, you are not a human doing, you are a human being, be with him, be before him. And the second thing is really, I think, allowing God to remind you of what is most important. It's why we've even, today we're talking about a value. Values really, if you could get down to what is the most important thing, most important thing fundamentally, not things that we think should be important, because I believe that for each of us, God has highlighted certain values, certain things that are that are there. And so sometimes we've got to get back with God and just be be intimate with him. And then secondly, is to start asking those questions of, okay, what what really is most important that God's wired me for? That's really, that's really my lane in this. And then to start asking God, you know, uh, what, what is his vision? Because God always initiates what he's getting ready to do. Now, that's why we'd understand that intimacy is so important because he's going to initiate whatever he's got next for us or whatever. Um, disillusionment is only because we've got a different picture of what, of what God was getting ready to do or how he was going to do it. Mm -hmm. One thing that's certain is that if God's placed, a, if it's a God vision in your life, that's there. There's a bunch of different ways for God to be able to accomplish it. And maybe your strategy and maybe your plan wasn't the way that God was going to execute it. It's fine. We just allow God to renew the vision because the plan, God doesn't really, you know, God's got a plan. I know we talk about that, but listen, God has a billion different ways of getting any one thing done. And so when we surrender ourselves to intimacy and allowing him to initiate that thing, and we come back to it, get, get back to what you know is most important that is your lane and allow God to renew that picture. And you know what? Um, the, the how, once we're recommitted in that, starts to, starts to reveal itself. 
you know, um, unfortunately God's word in a lot of cases is a lamp to our feet. And if you're walking around at night, you only get to see the first couple of steps. You might see where we're, we're headed and that's fine as long as we get there. But sometimes that those steps are just going to be a few feet at a time. Maybe you'll see a hundred yards at a time, which is amazing. But anybody can tell you whatever God ordained vision that they had in their heart initially, that process of getting there, which is usually when we get tired, usually when we get disillusioned, you know, God needs to remind you of the victories that you've had and you need to savor those things because God's been at work and he's been doing significant things. Allow him to re-envision you, give you a little bit of rest in, in, in the middle of all of these things and to give you what, how he's going to go about it. And sometimes I think people get tired because I think that they're trying to wear Saul's armor. I think we're trying to do things in ways that maybe we're not gifted in. We don't have a grace for. And so that's why you have permission to do what's in your heart to do in the way that God's wired you. And sometimes because it looks so different and it looks so new, you may not have a bunch of people who are like, wow, that sounds like something that I've seen before because they haven't seen it before. Right. You may not even look like you have resources to do it. It's kind of like when we were in Ocean Beach and we're like, has anybody done this? And they didn't have funding to go and do this or whatever. And it ended up being exactly what God was getting ready to do. So you have permission for all of those things. Um, you know, you have permission to quit sometimes yeah. and not just go past where you know that you don't have grace anymore. Like, you know, that God's done, but you don't, uh, but for some reason, you know, you, you can't, you don't feel the, per, you just keep going because you think you're supposed to be going. Sometimes the permission that God wants to give us is like, Hey, you know what? You can quit this, that this season's over with so that I can bring the new season and re-envision you for what's, for what's next. So hopefully there's something in there that it's a couple of tips that you can kind of grab a hold of in this season. Paul, oh, that's excellent advice. Really good. You know, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of, I can't think of a Babel character, you know, David, Joseph, all of them had these dreams or destinies, but I don't think David was anticipating getting chased by Saul and ending up in a cave or Joseph, his whole trials going into prison, but they ended up where God called him. And like you said, a lot of times the journey is, it's got ups and downs on it, but it's that trust in God. Great advice. Well, listen, um, thanks for being on, buddy. It's good to yeah. see you again. Um, this is Michael Hubbard with Permission Ministries, my friend Paul Dabdu. And uh, if you'd like some, some questions or some help, like I said, we have a mentoring class we're offering. Go to permissionministries.com. Thanks for listening.